Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Today we are speaking with Wendy Andrew. Wendy is a qualified pet bereavement counselor who studied with the International School for Canine Psychology and Behavior Limited prior to opening the Scottish Pet Bereavement Counseling Service. Wendy initially studied pet bereavement counseling in order to support her dog walking clients, however quickly realized that this service should be available to everyone everywhere and brought the business online. Having grown up in an agricultural area on the outskirts of Glasgow, Wendy has been a lifelong animal lover, and with her parents being Kennel Club registered Labrador breeders, this really was a natural career path for her. Wendy has been a vegetarian since the age of 14 due to her love of animals and is an advocate for animal welfare. She is committed to providing a holistic service to her counseling clients and is also a qualified meditation teacher. She has studied various practices and techniques in order to support her clients through the grieving process so that they can heal and perhaps open their hearts and homes again should they feel that is the right thing for them. Hi, Wendy, and thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Wendy, you are founder and owner of the Scottish Pet Bereavement Counseling Service in Glasgow, Scotland. I hope I pronounced Glasgow right. You did. <laughs> okay, thanks. And we must admit that we find your accent quite charming. I, we really do. We will turn to our focal topic in a minute, but wondered if first you might please offer our listeners a little bit of your background. Sure. Thank you so much. I always forget that I've got an accent, if I'm honest. Um, but yes, I'm Wendy Andrew and I'm a pet bereavement counsellor. And I studied uh, with the International School for Canine Psychology and Behaviour prior to opening the Scottish Pet Bereavement Counselling Service. And I initially studied pet bereavement counselling in order to support my dog walking clients here in Scotland. And then I quickly realised that this service should be available to anybody anywhere. And having lived in Cape Cod in Massachusetts, I'm absolutely delighted to be on a podcast that airs in the U.S. Thanks, Wendy. I expect many of our listeners have heard the term Rainbow Bridge in referring to their pet's death. And they may understand it to be used with a loss of any pet. But I recently found the origin of that term, and I want to share it with everybody as we start. Some time ago, an author penned a poem entitled Rainbow Bridge. Unfortunately, his or her name is unknown, so we cannot offer credit to them. But here is the poem. Please listen to this interpretation of the Rainbow Bridge. Just this side of heaven is a place called Rainbow Bridge. When an animal dies that has been especially close to someone here, that pet goes to Rainbow Bridge. There are meadows and hills for all of our special friends so they can run and play together. There's plenty of food, water, and sunshine, and our friends are warm and comfortable. All the animals who had been ill and old are restored to health and vigor. Those who were hurt or maimed are made whole and strong again, just as we remember them in our dreams of days and times gone by. 
The animals are happy and content, except for one small thing. They each miss someone very special to them who had to be left behind. They all run and play together, but the day comes when one suddenly stops and looks into the distance. His bright eyes are intent, his eager body quivers. Suddenly he begins to run from the group, flying over the green grass, his legs carrying him faster and faster. You have been spotted, and when you and your special friend finally meet, you can cling together in joyous reunion, never to be parted again. The happy kisses rain upon your face, your hands again caress the beloved head, and you look once more into the trusting eyes of your pet, so long gone from your life but never absent from your heart. Then you cross Rainbow Bridge together. Thanks, Stephanie. I didn't think I could read it without uh, tearing up a bit, and in fact, just (laughs) listening to it has made me tear up. Because just two weeks ago, I lost my dog. So this is very timely for me. And Mm -hmm. I I so appreciate Wendy being here. So Wendy, I know, you know, Stephanie knows, and anyone who has lost their furry friend or feathered friend knows how devastating it really can be. Yet at times, when in conversation, someone asks if you're okay, and you casually mention your dog, cat, whatever species, died or had to be euthanized, you could get the most hurtful comments, right? Yes, absolutely. It's a very heartbreaking and distressing time for anybody who has lost their companion animal, regardless of species. And quite often, I think people are quite uncomfortable with the subject, which is why I'm quite keen to talk about pet bereavement and pet loss as much as possible. And people will naturally try and say something because they feel awkward or uncomfortable they don't know what to say but they feel compelled to say something that in their head is is quite helpful but in reality it's not it can actually be very hurtful when people say things such as oh it was just a dog or are you going to get another cat or are you still upset about this And um, we have spoken about um, this, you know, on many occasions uh, about the disenfranchised grief. And it's really something that I feel very passionately about. So if you're grieving the loss of your pet and receive these comments, the result is called disenfranchised grief. Can you offer a bit more insight into this type of grief and the emotions it can provoke? Sure. Disenfranchised grief is grief that's not supported or accepted in society. And really, it's it's one of those sorts of things that, as I mentioned there, people don't really know how to, to cope with this situation, which is not helpful to the person who is suffering from the, the grief. It can actually provoke a lot of hurt and anger in that person, which exacerbates how they're already feeling in their grief. It's a very distressing time and I would absolutely ask anybody to show some compassion to anybody that is suffering from pet bereavement. Put yourself in their position and try and understand and have that compassion for that person, regardless of whether you think it's just X, Y or Z animal. To that person, that's not the case. That's their companion. So if we can talk about it more and make people understand. I think that's a good thing. How can you overcome the disenfranchised grief? How do you move on from these comments that certainly would not have been uttered if it was a spouse or parent that died? 
How does your training help you to help others? I provide a safe space for people to talk about how they're feeling. And I think it's really important for people to learn how to set boundaries with people. And that can come in many forms. That can be, I'm not ready to talk about this right now. This has happened, but I'm still feeling very sensitive. Or it could be saying to people, I'm just taking a bit of time out while I get used to this new situation that I find myself in. And I think it is really important if you don't have anybody to speak to about your grief, particularly now in the middle of a global pandemic, when we don't have the same access to work colleagues or friends or family members to talk to. I think it's important to seek out a pet bereavement counsellor so that you're heard with compassion. We're trained in empathetic listening. So I think it's really important that people know that the pet support industry exists. That's great. Are there other suggestions or recommendations you can offer the grieving pet parent to help them, aside from comments and interaction with others, to help them personally kind of cope with this a bit better? Yes, absolutely, Kathy. I'm actually also a qualified meditation teacher. And I practice meditation quite regularly with a lot of my clients. I find it's a really good way to quieten the mind chatter. Very often when we're grieving, and you'll know this yourself, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of negative emotions. There's a lot of confusing, confusing emotions. And sometimes it can be very difficult to untangle all that. So meditation is a great way to quieten that mind chatter and to just straighten everything out and give yourself that space and the quiet mind to, to move on from that. I also find journaling is very helpful in getting what's on the inside out, and it can be very useful as a means to identify how you're feeling and to see if there are any triggers that you know sort of spark particular emotions. As we know, there's a whole spectrum of emotions involved in the grieving process. The DABDA model was introduced by Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and that's known more commonly as the five stages of grief. And that would be denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then finally acceptance. But with pet loss, we often have anticipatory grief and guilt. And these are very strong emotions. So I think it's really, really important that people identify coping mechanisms that work for them. And I also offer advice on building resilience and healthy living because quite often people, when they're upset, they'll turn to perhaps alcohol or maybe even recreational right. drug use. And those are the biggest no-nos that anybody can do. And I think it's really important to have some guidance on healthy living and, you know, nourishing your soul as well as your body to give you that inner strength in order to cope with how you're feeling. You mentioned the guilt, and I I think that that's a, a huge one um, for any pet for me, because when you have to make that decision to, um, you know, to euthanize your dog, and I, I find it so hard because you, you know your dog, and you have to make that decision, like, I don't want them to suffer any longer. How long do I let them go like this? And they're not like a, a kid or anything where they can tell you, yes, I'm in a lot of pain. I can't deal with this anymore, you know? So you make that final decision, but then afterwards you, you just have that guilt. It's like, 
should I have gone longer? Would it have been bad? You know, it's so hard just to struggle with that in your mind. Yeah, I, I want to interject a personal Absolutely. story here. I just have to. I share it with a lot of people that know me. Years ago, Stephanie had a Weimaraner named Bo. And the point finally came that Bo was suffering a lot. I think it was cancer. I think he yeah, had a he had a lot of tumors and some other issues. And the day that I knew they were going to the vet, I suspected a decision had to be made. But coincidentally, my boyfriend had a healthcare emergency and had to be taken to the emergency room at the hospital. And I recall sitting there while he was sound asleep for some reason you know that's one of the things you get to the er and that's one of the things you do as a patient <laughs> is fall asleep and i'm sitting there waiting and i had gotten a message from stephanie that bo had been put down that day well bo was very dear to all of us because he came to us as a puppy at a very very crucial point in our lives and i started sobbing the nurses came oh. over from the emergency room convinced I was upset about my poor boyfriend <laughs> and started to comfort me. Say, He's going to be all right, honey. He's all right. It's, <laughs> it's not that critical. It's not life-threatening. We're, you know, we're going to run some tests. And, and I was just inconsolable. I was sobbing uncontrollably, could not stop. Yet in the back of my mind, I couldn't even open my mouth to tell them why I was crying. <laughs> well, pretty soon they got so concerned for me that they got a doctor. And the doctor came over and they were discussing off on the side whether I was so upset that maybe I needed to be seen by someone upstairs from the psychiatric emergency <laughs> department. Coincidentally, I worked in the psychiatric emergency department on the administrative side on the far end of the hospital. And finally, I was able to calm down just a little bit. And I said, it's not him. It's not my boyfriend. <laughs> My daughter had to put her dog down today. Bo died. I'm upset. And and they just all, you know, got their eyes rolled and their eyebrows raised and they just all threw their hands up and walked away. And, you know, but it's true. It can, you know, all those emotions come to you sometimes at the worst time. And yeah. the the connection you have with that pet can be so intense that it's every bit as devastating as losing your partner. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course it is. And I'm so sorry that the staff weren't more compassionate when they realized that it was because of the dog. Right. See, that's exactly what I was saying about disenfranchised grief. You know, it's pet loss doesn't get the recognition that it deserves. And I'm really on a bit of a mission just now, ladies, to combat that and any opportunity I can get to speak about it and say, this is real. This is valid. You do not have the right to invalidate somebody's feelings. Whether you believe in it or not, it's not about you. Right. It's about that person and how they're feeling. Don't be that person that invalidates somebody else's feelings. Right. And as medical staff, they should have known better. <laughs> grief is grief. Yeah. I don't, yeah. And I don't think it's one of those things that I, you don't get unless you've been through it. Unless you've had a pet that has been so close to you and, you know, and then have to make that decision or whatever, you don't get it until you go through it my point Stephanie you know it's it's have compassion for other people regardless exactly. it doesn't matter exactly. what you think who cares what you yeah. think it's about that person and how that person's feeling 
you know, if you see somebody in tears, comfort yeah, them, right. let them speak, right. console them, be compassionate. Right. Who cares what your own opinion is? It doesn't matter, you know, the breed or the species. Just be kind. Right. No judgment. Right. Yep. Some people may wish to memorialize their pet in a certain way, and I expect you have encountered many different ideas, Wendy. Can you offer a few to our listeners that might not normally be thought of? Well, I think everybody can memorialize in their own way. There are lots of um, quite common ways to memorialize a pet, you know, scattering ashes on a newly planted rose bush or tree or something like that. That's a lovely, long lasting memorial. Um, and quite often people will have jewelry made from ashes um, and they'll perhaps wear a pendant with the ashes of, of their, their pet. Um, for myself, um, I actually offer a digital art service and I, I produce that because you know, it's a, it's a, a sort of variation on somebody's perhaps favorite photograph and it has a, a special memory and it makes it more like a kind of oil painting or something like that. But it's also a very versatile thing that you can do because you can then have that image printed onto a mug or you can have it, you know, put up, up as a, a picture on your wall. So it's a really versatile thing, even, you know, a key ring on, on your keychain. So I, I, I think that's quite a, a good and it is a little bit unusual because it's so obvious it's hiding in plain sight. Mm. Another piece of this topic I want to mention is for our children. The loss of a pet mm. may very well be their first encounter with grief and death. Do you have any tips for parents as to how they might comfort or support their children, especially the younger ones? Could, for example, the poem Rainbow Bridge be understood by a child? I can talk about this all day. I have so many tips on this. I think the Rainbow Bridge poem is absolutely beautiful. And for children of a certain age, yes, they will understand mm -hmm. that. And I think the key with pet bereavement and children, like you say, it's very often their first experience of death and grief. So it's really important to get it mm -hmm. right. And I think the key here is to be honest, but age appropriate. Right. And I think that the worst thing that you can do and is something that a lot of people do and, and think nothing of it is using the term put to sleep. Mm -hmm. Never say to a young child that the pet has been put to sleep because this can cause an awful lot of anxiety sure. in a young child. They'll become terrified of going to sleep themselves. They'll be frightened about family members or friends going to right. sleep. So that's something that I would avoid. I would also say understand that children do not have the same powers of self-regulation with their emotions that adults do. So do expect that there could possibly be some changes in behavior. They might act out because they just don't know how to express themselves the same way that adults right. do. And if that's the case, I think the best support in that regard that you can do is, I know a lot of children are off school at the moment because of the pandemic, but inform their kindergarten teacher or their school teacher so that they can then offer comfort and support and compassion because the last thing that you want is your child acting out and getting a, into trouble for it and getting a row and being told that they're being naughty when in point of fact they're really just grieving and they, they don't know how mm -hmm. to you know express themselves in an appropriate way so I think it's really supportive 
to let other people know what's going on at home so that they're prepared and that they can show your child a bit of understanding. And I think as well, it's important that parents don't hide their emotions from their children. There's no shame in crying. So let your children see you cry. Lead by example. It's a healthy coping mechanism. It's perfectly natural. In the UK, particularly, we're terrible, you know, for having this stiff upper lip and, you know, hiding our emotions and being quite stoic. But if we can learn anything from the Americans, it's, it's to be a bit more open and be a bit more in touch and say it's OK to be upset. So I would really encourage people, don't hide your tears from your children. Let them see you as an example and say, yes, I'm upset and that's OK. That's natural to be upset. This pet was a big part of our family and a big part of our lives. Of course, we're upset and we're not going to bottle that up and let it fester inside. And if you have an older child, then reassure them that no matter how big they are and how big they get, you can still have a hug and talk about how you're feeling. You don't have to act all grown up. I also want to insert here that parents of children, whatever the child's age, if they are communicating a certain vocabulary or narrative to their child, I think it's important to bring grandparents in on that and say, this is what, this is how we're explaining it to our children. Yeah. We hope that you will support us because there's a difference in generations as well. And although you may have a set way of doing it, the other people, grandparents might innocently come in and put their spin on it, which could add some confusion. So I think it's important to be consistent within a family and ask for that support. Right. Absolutely agree. Absolutely. Agree. I know with when my youngest son, his, we mentioned this on our phone call, Wendy, his little hamster that died, that thing was, well, at one point it was missing for like, I don't remember how long. And ironically, we heard noise one time in the toy box and come to find out he had somehow gotten through the cage wires and was living in my kid's toy box for who knows how long. So he had been through everything, but you know, my son would push, put him in the back of his little Hess dump truck and push him around on the ground. And like, he loved that. And when the hamster died, he had, he had this idea. He's like, I, I want to get a, I want to bury him in the backyard and I want to get a, a headstone and draw on it for him. So off to the story went, we got it and he decorated it. So I think asking your child maybe what they want to do for their, their pet is a good idea as well. Absolutely. And I know that there's a lot of companies online, you know, I again, with the journaling that can be done with young children and you can encourage them to write a story perhaps about their pet, you know, like some fantastic adventure that you've been on together. And there's a lot of companies online that will actually publish that as a little book. Right. So that's a really nice memorial for, for young children as yeah. well. Wendy, it appears our time is almost done for today. We want to offer you this time to make sure our listeners know how to contact you. So please share your website and any other info you would like to impart. And I just want to mention that just because she's in Scotland, everybody, it doesn't mean you can't contact her. Anybody can. Absolutely. Yes. As I mentioned earlier, I used to live in the US and I had a wonderful time and everybody was just great. So I'm happy to work with anybody anywhere. So 
if if my accent doesn't grate on you too much, then certainly do please get in touch. I think it would be the other way around. Yeah, but... <laughs> that's wonderful to hear. Thank you. <laughs> it's the best I've got, really. Yes, you can you can contact me via my website, which is www.thescottishpetbereavementcounsellingservice.com. And that would obviously be the UK spelling of counselling, um, which is C-O-U-N-S-E-L-L-I-N-G, the Scottish Pet Bereavement Counselling Service.com. And I'm also on Facebook, and that's also the Scottish Pet Bereavement Counselling Service. You can follow me on Instagram at the underscore SPBCS and also on Twitter, the underscore SPBCS. And I also have a book out um, which I published during our first lockdown here in the UK as a, a low cost alternative to counselling because I was very aware that people are perhaps in financial difficulties, losing their job, whatever, and simply sometimes they don't fancy counselling, so they might prefer a self-help book. So I wrote quite a concise book because, let's face it, nobody wants to read War and Peace when they're grieving. And my book is called How to Recover from Pet Loss, Supporting You on Your Journey to Acceptance. And that's available on Amazon. Great. Thanks. As usual, all of Wendy's info will be on our website, asiliveandgrieve.com, and also in the episode notes on your favorite podcast app. Wendy, again, thanks so much for being with us today. We will make sure also to include a link to your book just to make it easier for people to purchase. We so appreciate you being with us today. It's an odd time in the entire world for everyone. The pandemic, I know part of our country is having horrible disasters with snow and ice, and they are just not equipped for it. Whereas we in upstate New York, we have snow outside and it's just another winter day. <laughs> but keep in mind that everybody is dealing with a lot. And if they lose a pet at this time, that's just even more of a burden on their shoulders. So try to empathize with others. Try to have no judgment. Try to be kind. Try to listen. So, Wendy, thanks so much again. And to our listeners, wherever in the world you might be, at whatever stage in your grief journey you may be, know that we're with you and that we've got you in our thoughts and prayers as we all continue to live in grief. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at asiliveandgrieve.com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.